This episode is brought to you by Michael Hyatt's brand new training, Walk Away and Watch It Grow, how business owners can step away from their company with complete certainty that it will keep thriving. During Michael's final public training for business owners in 2021, Michael reveals how he set up his company so he could step back as CEO and watch the business continue growing. This is a must-see training for any business owner who wants more freedom from day-to-day management. You'll know precisely what to do in your company to step away for a week, a month, or forever, safe in the knowledge that your business will continue growing and thriving. Join Michael on May 18th at 10 a.m. Central Time by registering at lead2.win slash walkaway. Okay, before we dive in today, I just want to take a minute and kind of be a coach to you and say this. Guys, don't just listen to this podcast and think to yourself, hey, what a cool tool. That would be really neat to do sometime. I want to encourage you to actually make time on your calendar to block an hour in your calendar after you've listened to this podcast to click the link, download the tool, and fill it in. I promise you there are going to be breakthroughs and aha moments and better decision-making and clarity on the other side of this. Um, Totally unselfish on my part. I just want that for you. So go ahead and make time and make that commitment, most important right now that you're going to make time to actually fill out this spend your days on paper tool when we're finished. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. So today we're talking about how to think about your time like a budget and allocate it according to your most important professional priorities using a tool that we call spend your days on paper. Well, you know, we've been talking a lot about our new book, When It Work and Succeed at Life. And as I've been interviewed on various podcasts, you know, one of the things that people ask a lot is kind of what we think about this idea of work-life balance and whether or not it's possible to do it all, you know? And what I always say is, no, it's not possible to do it all. I mean, we, as you just said, we only have 168 hours in a week. There's not enough time to do it all. We've all tried and failed at that. But our contention in that book and just, you know, as a part of the work we do with our clients and customers at Michael Hyden Company is there's not enough time to do it all, but there is enough time to do the most important things. But only if you are intentional about those things and you're very clear on what they are at the beginning. And so what I love about the spend your days on paper tool is that it really provides kind of a very simple template um, where you can do this on an annual basis and have those kind of hard conversations about, you know, what should or shouldn't make the list based on how much time there is left, just like we would do with our money. And we just make way better decisions when we do that. Yeah. So this is a, an Excel worksheet. And essentially when you're using it, it takes all the hours that you've allocated for the year and then you start spending and it starts deducting from the total. Mm-hmm. So you quickly realize, and I've had people tell me after they've used this tool, they've said, oh my gosh, I had no idea how far I was overcommitted. Because the, for the first time they saw there are not enough hours in the week for me to accomplish all the things that I've committed to. And so as you said, Megan, that leads to some very useful conversations, some very useful decisions. But once you get this dialed in, it's amazing because suddenly you realize that the most important things are getting attended to. And when I first developed this tool, I said, you know, the most important thing for me is to make sure that I'm taking time off so that I can rest and rejuvenate and show up as the best version of myself Mm -hmm. at work. But what doesn't happen in the real world 
is when you decide that you're only going to rest and take time to rejuvenate or time for self-care after you complete your work, because that would be never, you know, that never right. happens. Right. And part of the argument in the book that we, in the book, When at Work and Succeed at Life that we make is that, that rest and rejuvenation are not a reward for hard work. They're the conditions for, or the foundation of Mm-hmm. hard work. That's got to come first. And if that's going to happen, you're going to have to schedule it because everything in life that's important, it gets done if you schedule it. I don't care if that's date nights, if that's time at the gym or that's time off work, it's got to be scheduled because you're not going to be able to come to the end of your work and say, oh, gosh, I've got several hours to kill here. What can I do? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I like about using this tool uh, myself is that I kind of have that come to Jesus moment. <laughs> about what I'm going to have to say no to at the beginning of the year, you know, instead of having that feeling, not that this never happens, but certainly doesn't happen like it would without it, where I don't feel, where I feel overwhelmed, you know, if I kind of feel overwhelmed on paper, sort of like exactly the same thing that happens when you're doing your budget and you realize that you're spending more than you're bringing in, you know, you sort of have to go, okay, well then what, what's going to move? What am I going to not do in order to make room for the things that really matter? And gosh, that just saves so much drama and stress in your life. If you can do that in kind of a mock session, so to speak, rather than in your real life, you know, when push comes to shove and all of a sudden there's just not enough time. So true. Okay. Well, let's walk through it. And by the way, you guys can download this tool. Again, it's free at lead2.win forward slash paper, as in spend your days on paper, lead2.win forward slash paper. Don't do this if you're driving. Don't do this if you're you know on the treadmill. But when you get to a spot, download it. And if you want to follow along, you can, though it's not entirely necessary for this podcast. You can listen to us talk about it conceptually, and then you can look at it. Now, as a practical matter, this is a tool that I use once a year. I typically do it in the fall, but because it's going to force you to come to grips or, you know, to kind of face up to the totality of your commitments, this is a good tool to do anytime. So whenever you're listening to this, go ahead and do it. And then you can build this in as a recurring thing that you do, say, once a year as you plan the next year. The best way to get more time in your calendar for the things that matter most is get ahead of it. You know, it may be hard to do it next week. It may be hard to do it next month. But if you're working three to six months out, most of us can, you know, can engineer our calendars in a way that makes them substantially different from what we're experiencing now. Okay, so let's dive in. First of all, you can ensure that you have enough time for your most important professional priorities by following these five steps to create your own spend your days on paper worksheet. So download it, work through it. It'll become intuitively obvious how you do it. It's a very simple spreadsheet, but it really works. So step one, decide how many days off you'll take this year, including weekends, holidays, and vacations. Okay, I want to talk for just a minute, kind of where I've I've come from on this. So there was a time in my career, probably the first two decades, that uh, that I basically, if if I took one week a year for my vacation, you know, that was pretty normal, right? I never, I never took more than that, but one week a year. And to be honest, even some of the time in the vacation I worked. Then on the weekends, I didn't even take the full weekend because I would work on Saturday mornings. I would work on Sunday, you know, late afternoon and evenings. And so I basically had a one day uh, per weekend kind of schedule. And, and the older I got, the more I realized 
that's not enough time off. It's not a time enough time off for me to really rest like I need to rest, to get my brain off the business for a sufficient amount of time, for me to do the self-care and the family care and all that kind of stuff. So I thought the only way I can, can fix this is to get ahead of it. So that means starting with the margin or starting with the days off, which I know, again, seems counterintuitive. But I just want to remind everybody, the whole idea of Parkinson's law is that work expands to the time allotted for it. But the opposite of that, and the thing that I think is even more helpful, I jokingly have referred to this in one of my books as Hyatt's corollary to Parkinson's uh, law, and that is that work contracts to the time allocated for it. So in other words, what we're trying to do is constrain our work, which is one of the principles we talk about in our new book, When at Work and Succeed at Life, is that constraint is really the foundation of freedom, creativity, and focus. So we've got to get this time off in the calendar first. Yeah, I think this is so important and it's so backwards of the way that we're used to thinking about it. But as we talk about in our book, this is really a performance strategy. This is all about how do you set yourself up to do your best work? So I love this. And, you know, I would never have thought to do it this way, except that, you know, this is is what we teach and what you have kind of pioneered with this tool and many other things that we do. And I think that um, for, for folks who are doing this for the first time, while this may feel a little uncomfortable, I think it also provides a sense of relief. It's almost like in your budget, putting your savings at the top rather than uh, at the bottom. That's a that's the exact parallel. You know, it's it's pay yourself first or save yeah. first, or if you're a business owner, profit first. That's exactly right. So the very first entry, now again, think of this as a spreadsheet. And my first entry, the first category of things is going to be the time off things. But weekends, first of all. So I made a commitment. This happened 20 years ago when my executive coach asked me to make this commitment. But one of the commitments I made was that I was going to take the weekends off. So up until 2021, up until you know the last 10 years, I've taken 104 days off, which is two days per weekend times 52 weeks, right? Now I'm taking more than that now. I'm going to come back to that in a minute because I've, you know, our, my role has changed in the company. But uh, but I want to make sure I account for those weekends. The second thing I accounted for was all the holidays. Okay, so in our particular company, we have, I think, 10 or 12 paid holidays. I've got them all listed in here. There's one for each line in the spreadsheet. Then I'm putting in the vacations. Okay, this is where it gets really fascinating because I, I talk to people all the time and say, well, I, 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 never, I can't find a time for the vacation. Well, if you don't plan for it, you won't find it. Right. So I've got a spring vacation. And I'm thinking to myself, what's kind of the cadence that I want with my vacations? What's the rhythm I want? You know, how often do I need a vacation to be operating, again, as a performance strategy, at my peak, you know, operating capacity? So I need a spring vacation. I need a fall vacation. I need a Christmas vacation. And then I also take a sabbatical. And up until 2021, that's been a 30-day sabbatical where I've been away from the office. Everybody's is going to look different. You know, some of you think a sabbatical's out of the question. That's fine, you know, baby steps, you know, but get those weekends clear, get your holidays accounted for, then start looking at vacations. Maybe the most you get is two weeks a year or the most you want to take is two, two weeks a year. I don't care. The whole point of this exercise is to be intentional and to design it so that, so that you're not just suddenly finding yourself at the end of the calendar year going, oh my gosh, I have 
you know, 10 days or 14 days of vacation time that I haven't used. And it looks like they're not going to roll over and I'm not going to be able to use it. You know, what's funny that I have found before doing this is that when I went to schedule vacations, I really struggled to take enough vacation because I was looking for breaks in the calendar. So in other words, what was already on the calendar and like you, my schedule gets booked up months and months, if not a year in advance in many cases, right? So it's very full. And so, you know, if you're looking to the calendar to say, hey, here's a great week to take a vacation this quarter and here's a great week the next quarter it's like it's never going to happen. And so what I would find is I'd maybe take two weeks a year, maybe maybe three, but it, it never felt like there was, I couldn't think about it strategically, like from that cadence standpoint. So when you start where you're not doing it in the context of the calendar, we're doing it on a spreadsheet and we're really asking that question of what do I need for my optimal performance? It really helps me to start with the intention and, and the vision and then go to the calendar with, okay, now what has to be true in order for me to produce the professional results that I'm responsible for, but also do that at the highest level possible with this kind of rejuvenation in mind and this, this kind of vacation or, or PTO uh, cadence in mind. It's, anyway, that's really been helpful for me. Well, the cool thing is that when you lay claim to the calendar, yep. in other words, when you say, when you go ahead and schedule this stuff and you're doing it, you know, hopefully a year in advance. And right. by the way, if you, if you, if you could do it in three months, great. You know, whenever you can get it on the calendar, get it on the calendar, but it's, it kind of goes back to Stephen Covey's concept of big rocks, putting the big rocks in first so that there's room for all the littler rocks and the pebbles. And so the big rocks to me are these, are these uh, days off that I've planned. So I'm going to go ahead and go from this to my calendar. But this just, before I get to the calendar, I want to make sure that it works on this spreadsheet first. Yeah, I think that's so important. Okay. Anything else you want to say about time off? Nope. You just got to do it. <laughs> that's okay. what I would say. Okay. So up until this year, I was taking 162 days off a year. Now that includes every weekend. It includes 11 weeks of vacation, inclusive of that 30-day sabbatical. So 162 days off, yeah. which is a lot, right? You know, that's that seems like a lot to most people. And I just want to stretch your thinking. If you can't do that much, don't worry about it. You know, do what you can, do what you need, and then you can grow from there. This year, because I've changed roles, Megan's now the CEO of the company. She's running stuff. And so I've, you know, I'm working Monday through Wednesday. So this year, 2021, at the time we're recording this, I'm taking 267 days off mm. a year now, which so I know sounds huge, but believe me, I got lots of other things that I'm filling that time with. Lots of hobbies, family, all kinds of good stuff. So some people just got really excited when you said that. Some people were like, whoa, you know, that feels maybe unrealistic, but hopefully for some of you, you just had your thinking expanded. Like, how could you own a company or run a company and take that much time off? You know, obviously this doesn't apply to everybody, but it's kind of neat, just kind of a mind bender a little bit. So in my case, I take about six weeks of vacation off plus my sabbatical. So that's mostly in my case around uh, spring vacation, a fall vacation, which is totally tied to my kids' uh, school schedule. Then some days at Thanksgiving when uh, Joel's parents usually come visit, some days at Christmas, and then just miscellaneous days off for you know various little things that we're doing as a family or individually. So that's kind of what it looks like for me. I think probably I've averaged in you know the four to five week range. I'm pushing myself a little bit this year, knowing that my responsibility is greater. And that probably sounds counterintuitive. But again, I'm thinking about this like a performance strategy, just like we talk about 
in our book, When It Work and Succeed at Life, um, it's not acceptable from our perspective that your professional results would suffer as a result of how much time you're taking off. Instead, we would expect it to be the opposite, that you would be able mm-hmm. to produce better results because you are not exhausted. You're coming to work with your best thinking, your most innovative and creative thinking. And this is why we have a limited PTO at Michael Hyatt and Company. Now, admittedly, most of our team members are not taking this much time off. I would say that, you know, our average is around, um, you know, three and a half to four weeks, probably in most cases. Uh, we have some people who take a little bit more, more on the five week, you know, side of things. And we really try to not let people take less than three weeks. We're like kind of after you <laughs> if you're taking less. But again, because um, that's a performance strategy. Okay. So that's time off. So go ahead and be thinking about how much time do you want to have off? And if you work for somebody else, maybe some of this has to be negotiated. If you're a business owner, don't make the mistake of thinking you're indispensable. And in fact, that's a liability. If you're indispensable to your company operating without your full-time presence and care, that's a weakness in the business. And and by the way, if you ever intend to sell your business, that's going to reduce the amount that you're going to get for it. You want a, a business that will operate independent of you. You want that for your own sanity, you want it for succession, and you want it just in case you ever decide to sell the business. So this is a great way to build that kind of resilience right into the business from the get-go and make it less dependent upon you. And that was one of my initial motivations. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I was actually planning this morning with Aaron, my chief of staff, for my coming upcoming sabbatical, which is here just in a few weeks. And we were talking about all the things that need to happen, how it's going to work while I'm gone, kind of a list of emergency procedures around that in case anything goes wrong. But that's so healthy. You know, that me being gone forces the business to be healthier in the same way that our team members taking sabbaticals, which they get once every three years of continuous employment. You know, that that is a risk management strategy in many ways for us. And it's certainly proven to be valuable. Okay, so let's talk about step number two. So now you've allocated time for your weekends, for major holidays, for your time off. Now you need to make a list of the categories of tasks or responsibilities that you have so that you can begin to allocate in those categories. For example, um, on my list are things like meetings, planning, speaking, team development, marketing, direct reports. You know, those are some of the kind of big categories of things that I do. Dad, what's on your list? Well, my list has Business Accelerator, which is our coaching program, and I lead a lot of those coaching intensives. And then podcast recording, writing, you know, a book. Um, You know, I've got, I'm committed to doing one new book a year. Then my speaking, which by the way, at this point is only four times a year, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of what I do with Business Accelerator. Then I do a limited amount of coaching, some marketing and meetings. And then I've got some outside stuff that I, that I do that's kind of like business that I count as business. Uh-huh. Like nonprofit work and things like that that you're yeah, exactly. involved with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, I mean, it's, it's just really that simple and you can do that, you know, kind of on a piece of paper and then ultimately you can bring that into this spreadsheet if you want to, just so, so you're not worried about the formatting, but just kind of brainstorm what are those categories of tasks or responsibilities that you have that are relevant to the results you're required to produce 
for your job. And, you know, my experience in doing this is that, uh, especially when we get to, I'll go ahead and share step three is to identify the discrete activities under like, for example, under direct reports, you know, you have one-on-one meetings, annual reviews, those kinds of things. So what are the discrete activities that go under each area of responsibility or category? Um, you know, when I was doing this, one of the things that I found is I really challenged some of the things that were on there, you know, for example, under marketing, uh, one of the things under my list was webinars. And it, it mm. kind of was the catalyst when we looked at how much time potentially I was going to be spending on that this year. We really went back to the marketing team and said, hey, from a branding and marketing standpoint, is hosting webinars the highest and best use of my time? Or could that same amount of time or something similar be invested elsewhere for a greater return? And ultimately, the determination that we made together was, no, actually, the ROI on that is not high enough to justify the investment. Instead, you know, we'd rather you do podcast interviews, for example, which is more valuable from a, um, you know, brand representation standpoint, has a bigger reach than doing some of the webinars that we do. So that's a good example of how just going through this activity causes you to question your assumptions about what's valuable to invest your time you know, in or not. That's really good. Well, let me give you an example from my yeah. uh, spend your days on paper worksheet. So under business accelerator, first thing I put was what I would call non-discretionary time. In other words, times that, that's already booked on the calendar. So leading coaching intensives is 20 full days a year. Wow. Okay. So then preparing for the coaching intensives is basically another eight hours. And it would be a whole lot more than that. But we're now in year four. So most of the work has been done, you know, and so I'm going back and reviewing, but most everything that I'm teaching with the exception of one group, everything I'm teaching, I'm teaching now for the second time. So it takes less preparation. Right. And then in addition to that, with Business Accelerator, and I have four items out of this, lead our weekly coaching calls. So uh, I did that just this morning. We're recording this on a Monday. So every Monday morning when I'm in town and not on a vacation or sabbatical, for one hour, I'm on with all of our Business Accelerator coaching clients that want to jump on. And I just you know troubleshoot, answer questions, give them a chance to brag on their wins, that type of thing. And you love that. I love that. And then the other thing I've got on here, Megan, is the uh, annual coaches retreat. So I've got to be for that. Okay. So when you did this this year, you had a lot of changes this year. This The shift in your role was a big one. The yep. amount of time you're taking off. I imagine there were a lot of decisions you had to make about things that might have been something you considered really valuable on the version you did for last year, but now there wasn't enough time to do all those things. Do you have any examples of things that kind of didn't make the cut, so to speak, for this 2021 version? Well, you know, I, I really wanted to speak more than I'm speaking here. Like, yeah. like I was speaking 12 to 13 times a year, mm-hmm. which I, I really like. I mean, I never want to go back to the time when I was speaking 60 to 80 times a yeah, year. Yeah, that was a lot. But, but 12 to 13 times, I really enjoy being on stage. I couldn't always say that, but I, you know, the last several years, I've really enjoyed that. And so to realize as I looked, you know, as I measured all these different things, and and by the way, one of the things we didn't mention is that we have you input your annual income. Mm -hmm. And so that it actually tells you what it's costing you or how much the company's investing in those activities by you doing them. Right. And that so, is such an eye opener, by the way. Oh I mean, my gosh. For some of you guys, you're going to do this and your head's going to explode because you're thinking about how much time you spend in meetings where maybe you don't need to be there all the time. And, and you're realizing that's co- costing 
either your own company or the company you're working for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars a year. And there's just not the ROI there to justify it. That's right. So the same thing happened with me with speaking. So I just decided, you know, the most I can really speak this next year is three times. Mm-hmm. Because when you when you factor in, you know, the the prep work, the rehearsal, travel, uh, the travel, right? That's one been one of the blessings, frankly, of COVID, mm-hmm. is that I haven't had had to travel. I've, I've been able to do more of it because I could do it from my home. But now that we get back on the road, that's you know that's an investment that you have to make, and you have to be realistic about that. That's time that has to be invested. Yeah, I think that's so important. Well. I'll be excited to hear from people kind of what their ahas were with this. But again, just like with your budget, all of a sudden you realize, you know, all that eating out you're doing is really coming at the expense of your savings sometimes, you know, and so you have to make those decisions about what's more valuable. That's, that's the biggest thing about this whole exercise is you're going to make a lot of decisions as you go through this, because you're going to realize that when you total it up, that you've way overdrawn the time account, so to speak. You know, you've got a deficit. And so you have to keep whittling it back until you get to the amount of hours that you have available and make sure that you're not overspending. And you probably need to allow, I didn't do a great job of this this year, but you need to allow some time just in case the projects that you've projected take longer than 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 you thought, which yeah. is pretty much <laughs> That doesn't <case>. ever happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's review the steps we've gone through so far, and then we'll do the final two. So the first one is to decide how many days off uh, you want to take this year, including weekends, holidays, and vacations. Step two is to make a list of the categories of tasks or responsibilities that you have. For example, we talked about meetings, planning, speaking, team development, marketing, direct reports, et cetera. Step number three is to identify the discrete activities, um, including uh, you know things like if you had a category for direct reports, uh, one-on-one meetings, annual reviews, et cetera. And then step four, just as we talked about, now you're going to allocate how much time you're going to spend for each item on the spreadsheet. So all of your professional items under those categories, how much time are you going to spend with various kind of kinds of meetings? You know, for example, on my list, I have executive team meetings, company-wide meetings, annual team meetings, you know, all those, all those different categories of meetings. We're just kind of going one layer down. How much time is it going to cost me to do those things? So that's the, that's step four. The one of the things I do too here is, you know, Excel has a function where you can enter a comment about an entry in a cell. Right. So I want to kind of put the rationale here because I'm I'm going to give this to Jim, who's my executive assistant, and I'm going to tell him to make it happen on the calendar. So I'm not going to actually do that work, but I want to give him my rationale that's behind it. So he knows exactly why I put what I put. So I just entered that as a note in the cell. That's so interesting. So I'll tell you how I did mine this year. Um, For the first time, I actually had Jamie, my assistant, do a version one of this for me. So I wanted to kind of based on what she and Aaron, my chief of staff already knew to have them come up with this originally. And then I edited it and said, no, that's not as important as this, or let's take that off. You know, I was the one that had to make all those decisions. But I actually found that to be really helpful because they came to me and they said, hey, you're 14 days over right now, just on like, if you just keep doing what you're doing now, you're 14 days over. So you have some decisions to make, you know, and we talked through that and it was helpful, but it sounds like you kind of do it the other way around. Yeah. So let me give you a concrete example. So one of the things that I had under here under writing, which is one of my categories is promote the new book. Uh That's going to be true every year. So I, I said, I'm going to do 50 interviews at 45 minutes each. Truth uh-huh. is, some of them are 30, some of them are an hour, but on right. average 45. So then in the comment, I just says, I said 50 interviews times 45 minutes equals 2,500 minutes. 
divided by 60 minutes equals 37 and a half hours divided by six hours a day. And, and again, that's our work day, six hours a day. That means 6.25 days promoting the book. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yeah, that's really helpful. Okay. So then I just left that as a comment. So Jim knows that I'm not just spitballing it here. You know, that I've actually got <laughs> rationale behind you went through why the math. what I did. Yeah, that's, that's right. good. I did the math. Okay. So the last step, step five, is to determine whether you're over or under budget and then to adjust accordingly to get to zero. So again, back to the budget analogy, this is like a zero-based budget. You want to get all the way to zero. So you don't want to be over. You don't want to be under. And the reason this is important is because the last thing you want to do is find out in the midst of your life that you're you're just overcommitted. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a recipe for misery and discomfort and for frustration. So the value of spending it on paper, just like if you were spending your money, you know, you don't want to come to the end of the month without a plan and realize that you've overspent your budget. And now you've got a deficit. I mean, where, where's that going to go? Is that going to go on a credit card or are you just mm-hmm. going to be short? You're not going to eat for the last week of the, the month, you know, <laughs> which is probably not something your family would appreciate. So if you do it on paper first, you can kind of see where the problems are and tackle them uh, where, they're, where they're just conceptual before they become a reality. Yeah, that's so good. Well, if you're like me and you get to the end of this and you're over, you know, maybe you're five days over or 10 or 15 or 20, you know, what are some of the things you can do, dad, to address that overage, so to speak? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say be committed to only spending what you have available. Mm-hmm. You know, don't live in a, in fantasy land. Don't create a, a fictional universe where you've got more hours available than you really have available. You got to be honest with yourself and you got to come to grips with it. And the sooner you do it, the better off you're going to be. So then you got to think to look at the the numbers here. When you plug in your income, you see the relative value of the different activities that you're doing. And you can say, is that, you know, for me to attend that many meetings, I'm just going to, you know, pull up one here. So for me to attend a certain kind of meeting and this next year, I'm going to be spending $5,000 of the company's money attending that specific kind of meeting. Mm -hmm. Is that a good investment of the company's money? The answer may be yes. Right. But ultimately something has to go because this is a zero based kind of thing mm-hmm. and you can't spend more time than you have. You know, the, the commitment's got to be to get it to zero. Well, the other thing would be uh, to caution people against taking it out of your vacation, you yes. know, so you could be really tempted to go, well, I don't really need three or four weeks of vacation. Maybe just a week will be good. You know, that's easy to say in the abstract until you're six months in and you just feel like you're sucking wind and you're exhausted and you have nothing left to give and you're realizing that you don't have a vacation again for six more months. You know, that that does not make a lot of sense. It's kind of like not planning an emergency fund in your budget and assuming you won't have any emergencies. You know, you're not accounting in this case for your own humanity, for the physical needs, emotional needs of your body and your mind and, you know, all the things. Um, so don't take it from there either. You know, I think this is a, a case where the constraints Um, Again, as we talk about in our new book, When It Work and Succeed at Life, this is a case where constraints uh, really drive innovation and productivity and freedom, you know? And so we start thinking about, as you were saying, leverage, you know, what's going to be the most high leverage thing that you can invest your time in and where maybe could you delegate it to somebody else? Maybe you need to totally reimagine that. I mean, this can really start a lot of very good conversations in your organization or on your team as you start thinking through this stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to kind of bring this to a close, I I think the thing that all of us have to come to grips with is that our time 
is a finite resource. Right. The most finite. The most finite. We're not Superman. We're not Superwoman. You know, we've got a finite number of hours that we can allocate. And when they're gone, they're gone. And so, you know, we need to be wise in the way that we spend our hours. And to spend them on paper gives us the opportunity to kind of evaluate it from an objective standpoint. Before we're in the midst of life having to make these hard decisions, we can kind of have a design. And again, life doesn't turn out exactly as you've planned it, never does. Mm -hmm. But life sure goes a lot better with a plan than without a plan. Just like your budget. Again, it's not going to be exactly as you budgeted, but by having a budget, you at least keep the thing on the rails so that you have a chance you know, of ending the month with more money than days left. Same thing is true with your time. Well, I would like to just quickly review these steps. And then I want to ask you kind of a final question, which is, uh, how do we apply this? You know, what do we do with it once we've completed this, this worksheet? So okay. uh, let me go through the steps here. Step number one, decide how many days off you're going to take, including weekends, holidays, and vacations. Step two, make a list of categories of responsibilities that you have. Step number three, identify discrete tasks under each one of those. Step number four, allocate how much time you're going to spend for each item on your spreadsheet. And step number five, determine whether you're over or under budget and adjust accordingly to get to zero. Okay, so we've done this now. We've got the spreadsheet. You know, let's assume that it's it's at a zero at the bottom. We've we figured it all out. Now what do we do so that this actually works out in real life and we get to take all the days off we plan and we get to uh, make these things a priority that we've identified in this document? Yeah. Well, the short answer is that you need to move to your calendar. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple ways to do that. First of all, if you don't have an executive assistant, no problem. Just pull out your calendar and start scheduling these in the same way that you've got them listed. In other words, uh, start with your time off, go ahead and get those vacations, get the weekends, get your, you know, if you do a sabbatical, your company holidays, all that stuff, get it on the calendar because those are the big rocks and you're going to uh, plan around that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. The second thing I would do is I would schedule to the extent that you can do this, and I know it's not possible in every case, but the non-discretionary time. In other words, the time that's committed that you don't have any discretion over. Like for me, that would be business accelerator coaching intensives. Mm -hmm. Those are scheduled by somebody else. You know, they're taking into account my vacation because I'm, you know, far enough ahead of it. But those things, everything's going to have to be planned around that. We just can't be moving those around, you know, two weeks before Uh, we're scheduled to have them. There's too many people involved. So get those items in and then start putting in the discretionary time, you know, the time that that really doesn't depend upon somebody else's calendar or coordination with somebody else. Get that on your calendar. But here's the thing about the calendar that we got to remember. If we don't claim the time first, somebody else will. I'm going to say that again because it's an important planning principle. If we don't claim the time first, somebody else will. Now, as the master of my own calendar, I can always choose to move something that I've planned, but I don't want to just have a vacuum. And if there's just an empty space and somebody claims that time, I don't really have an excuse. If I have claimed the time, I can say, gee, I've got a commitment then. Could we do it at another time? Or I could say, yeah, I'll move the thing I had planned. I'll move it somewhere else and we'll do that thing that you're asking for. But that gives you the freedom to do that and so that you don't get in a situation where you where you have to say yes. 
Well, hopefully this has been really helpful to maybe provide you with a new way to think about how to ensure that you have enough time for your most important professional priorities, including the kind of rejuvenation that you need to perform at your best. Just as a reminder, you can get access to this free tool, spend your days on paper at leadto.win slash paper. Until next week, lead to win. This episode is brought to you by Michael Hyatt's brand new training, Walk Away and Watch It Grow, how business owners can step away from their company with complete certainty that it will keep thriving. During Michael's final public training for business owners in 2021, Michael reveals how he set up his company so he could step back as CEO and watch the business continue growing. This is a must-see training for any business owner who wants more freedom from day-to-day management. You'll know precisely what to do in your company to step away for a week, a month, or forever, safe in the knowledge that your business will continue growing and thriving. Join Michael on May 18th at 10 a.m. Central Time by registering at lead2.win slash walkaway.